0: I just want to take a quick moment and pray for the uh, Thompson family, um, Carolyn, who sometimes sits right where you're at, Jonathan. Uh, Carolyn Thompson passed away Saturday morning, by the way. She'd been in church even over the last few weeks, and um, I had booked her to uh, to be one of our speakers. Remember when I mentioned more people here with stories to tell, and Carolyn agreed, she said, but could we just wait till after the new year? And uh, but... She moved into hospice just a couple weeks ago and wasn't, wasn't really in there much, trying to stay home as much as possible. And then Joan and I were there Friday night, prayed over her, uh, really prayed over her because she was unconscious and her kids were by her side and she passed away s- in the morning yesterday or Saturday morning. And uh, so they're having a visitation on Friday night, Thursday night, and the funeral's Friday. Okay, it's all on Thursday. Okay, I got some preliminaries before that might have been okay. Yeah. So it's Thursday. Now that's okay. I'm sure it'll be in the paper or <laughs> online through, and which, Heritage. Heritage Funeral Home. So this Thursday, I think there's a visitation, two thirty to five. Okay. <laughs> the visitation I- it's at Gloria Day Lutheran Church. Um, the visitation is from two thirty to five. The service is at five, and it's followed by dinner and it'll be a nice dinner, and everyone's invited. Dessert afterwards at the Wrench House, which it's like a couple blocks away. <laughs> Take advantage of that. So, But Carolyn, uh, very inspirational person in the midst of a four-year-long uh, struggle with blood cancer, leukemia, and a uh, different variety than your dad passed away from, but there are quite a few different strains. She had one of the strains where four years ago she was told Get your things in order. You you have four to six weeks to live, and God continued to s- give her more time with family, friends, business transitioned well. Got a partner at the law firm that's carrying on Thompson Law. So, you know, she will be okay. Good, <laughs> and so, but let's just pray the peace of God would come over the Thompsons. Lord, we thank you that you've been uh, worked so many miracles in Carolyn's life and in her heart. And she was one to testify of that down to the last days of her life. And so we pray for uh, Taylor, Will, Rachel, uh, her three kids, uh, 21, 17, 16. Uh, and especially over the holidays here as they come around and there was always a gathering point And Carolyn was the glue that kind of held kids together, family together. But we know, Lord, that, that you can even uh, do amazing things beyond what we could comprehend, and that you've done so many things through her life and testimony. But we pray for just peace that surpasses all understanding, because this this kind of thing doesn't make sense. This doesn't really, f- we can't really figure this all out. But if our lives, all of our lives are just a whisper, then it's really all the same, whether we live 49 years like Carolyn, a few years, or, uh, or, a, or a hundred years. Uh, it's really all the same. It's just a It's just a mere uh, vapor in the wind, but we thank you, Lord, that she uh, flew and, and glowed brilliantly for you, even in her last days. May the legacy of Jesus Christ be carried on through her friends and family. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. We are continuing our study of the book of acts now kind of uh i just did a little subtitle fearfully bold um i thought the words together were kind of interesting and challenging it's an uh, unbelievable time for the church Um, the first heirs to the kingdom that jesus has kind of passed the baton on and and it didn't make sense in humanity. How could we be better off without you here, Jesus? And, and Jesus saying, greater things will you do because I go to the Father. And, you know, trying to process all, all that's very difficult. And unbelievable uh, global impacting, historic impacting revival is breaking out in, in the book of Acts here in chapter 4 and 5. Some amazing highlights of the new young church without Jesus, the Lord and Savior. He's ascended up into the heavens, and now the responsibilities up upon these young believers. It's a moment in history with nothing else to compare it to. The church was unified. There was a, there was a unity. It was said, I read last week, they had one heart, one mind. Um, everything, they, they even shared their resources together. And we're going to read in a in a moment about people that sold their Land and brought the money and laid it at the disciples feet and then they distributed it to those who were in need John the Baptist recorded was recorded saying You know This idea one if one person has two tunics They should share with the one who has none and the one who has food should share with the other one who doesn't Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 therefore if you have an encouragement from being united in Christ If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, rather in humility Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you the interests of others. If people could live out this kind of love, can you imagine the kind of friendship and community there could be? It's hard for us to imagine because our lives are, you know, so active and engaged and, and, and our our business is, goes well outside of our extended family, unlike these uh, close-knit Communal kind of Jews the way they were living and uh, and in a time where you didn't travel so much. I mean Eric I don't how many miles did you travel this week alone? Do you keep track? 800 miles quite a quite a few miles tooling around for work and stuff in one in one week And I know these our times are different and this is not ancient Jerusalem that we're living in today but I know the Lord is challenging us to share what we have with others for a common good. Listen, listen to this amazing story, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. We left off last week in 31. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they have. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them for from time to time those who had owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who was in need Joseph a Levite from Cyprus who was uh, whom the apostle called Barnabas which means son of encouragement sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the Apostles feet I Admit in my mind This is difficult to process on how someone could have this kind of faith to sell uh, Their property or even their home and then lay it before some other humans who are not Jesus and lay it at their feet for them to do what's best for community to own land in uh, today is strong position in our country and some parts it's more valuable than others my uh, my native relatives who I I don't know only found out from when my grandmother passed away at 99 years old have some land rights here in South Dakota but when I looked up th- where the land was out there in Eagle Butte nobody will buy it if it was for sale but in Jerusalem this This is valuable. To own property meant wealth, influence, power, uh, future stability. Like, this is going to carry our family into the future. Even if you rent that land out, that you would have constant income for your family. And these believers who had this had something very valuable. And the sold properties, we read on in the next chapter, even, that it was feeding a whole bunch of people. I, I, I can't quite understand how it's happening. I know we have a, uh, a place called the banquet. It's not quite the same, uh, but there was a, a large group of people, enough to, that they had to figure out how they're going to take care of all these people on a consistent basis. And most likely, the land that was sold was something that was in, held in their possession from generation to generation to generation. We don't know anything for sure, except that it was valuable. And some of them uh, sold assets, retirement assets, and laid a pile of cash at the disciples' feet. And no, this is not a precursor to some offering going to happen in the church. (laughs) And I am not an apostle, okay? Uh, Just pointing out an obvious truth, that when God changes these religious Jews and these Roman pagans that they're all in, that they had found a life, they had found the treasure of the kingdom, they had found something more valuable than the things of this earth, and that it was a display of God's grace. That's, that's a pretty cool phrasing there. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that, that there were no needy persons among them. We all smile at the family joke, what's mine is hers, and what's hers is mine. And there's a few chauvinists who like to say what's hers, what's mine is hers, and what's hers is mine also. You know, there's all these uh, cryptic little variations of it. But when Joan and I got married, we share for the last 33 years and 2 months and 28 days and 7 hours and 14 minutes, We have shared everything we have. I don't have a rat hole. How many know what a rat hole is? Where are you at? Oh, I know there's 12 guys who don't want me to talk about this right now, at least in this room. A rat hole is where you save a little side money in a secret little drawer or out in the shop or under under the seat of your car where you stash a little money where your wife doesn't know about it. So once in a while, you can do a little something that's not in the family budget. So maybe you don't call it a rat hole, but how many, how many know people that have a little side savings that their spouse doesn't know about? How about we do that, okay? <laughs> What's that? Yeah, other people, right, exactly. <laughs> when Joan, Joan and I came together in, in uh, August of uh, 1986, we merged our funds together together. And let's just say I got the better end of the deal on that early merger, okay? But, but one of my good friends, he has money and she has money. And they both work. And so they, they split up the responsibilities out of their budgets. And, and that seems to work for them. It's fine. But Joan and I have never had that arrangement. We just share, put, pool our money together. You know, I have this guy, since I'm a general contractor, and I hire lots of different subcontractors, and I noticed this one guy that I hire, eh, I don't know, a dozen times a year for projects. He's really talented, and I'll pay him, and I noticed one time that his wife was kind of cold to me, you know, kind of, but I thought, you know, they're busy. She's, you know, they got kids. They're juggling a hundred things, and then but I noticed a continual pattern, and I I was wondering, why she seemed angry at me all the time, kind of like? And I hardly ever see her, except for when I'm dropping a, something off over there or a meeting with her husband, to, and he's doing some work for me. I'm trying to disguise who this could possibly be, because <laughs> none of you in this room know him anyway. So, but... <clears throat> Then I realized all these side projects that I hired him for and I was giving him that money, it was going into a little secret stash in his shop so he could go hunting and fishing with his buddies and it never affected the family budget miraculously. But all the time, she's been thinking, oh, here comes that Lance guy that you do all these favors for. He's such... (laughs) He's just using you. He's just draining your time. How can you do this for him? All these nights and weekends, these projects, this has got to be worth thousands and thousands of dollars. What kind of leech, friend, is this Lance guy of yours? What a loser. Can I just say that one of my years, it was over $10,000? So it's a pretty good little little rat hole going there, you know? <laughs> there must be like a lot of weapons he bought for, I don't know, but no. But I think marriage is possibly the closest thing that we could, the reason I'm bringing that up is identify with sharing of what we have, of having the kind of trust that you would say I do to someone, and then you would say, everything I have is yours, and everything you have is ours, and together we're just we're trying to take care of this family. It's not communism where you're forced here in the New Testament. These aren't, people aren't forced to give their property. They're not being strong-armed uh, where, the, where uh, the church is trying to you know, gather resources and own land and get, get power out of it. That's why it says from time to time, people sold their property. The people decided for themselves that they wanted to share out of this great and powerful grace that was working in them, that God was working in a supernatural way that I don't think has happened in the history of Christianity since. It wouldn't take long for a leader, though, to begin to question, why are we feeding all these people every day like this? And the question is raised here in the next chapter, in chapter 6, I'll address that. But my point this morning is that so many powerful things were happening and that there was this incredible spirit among the believers to share, to care, to look after the other's needs beyond their own. But in the same time, not everyone had pure motives, that there were strange forms of religion that permeate this wonderful revival. And whenever God works in supernatural dynamic ways, it seems like the enemy tries to sneak his way in there, overwhelm a situation, sidetrack it, right? Over and over. Beware, because the power of sinful pride can erupt. And this revival atmosphere exposed some phonies who were coming along for the ride here in Acts chapter verse 1, the very next verses, and now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit, And have kept for yourself some of the money received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have lied. Uh, You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Great fear seized all who heard what had happened. And some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, carried him out and buried him now that was a weird church service okay it's rare you have a worship service with a funeral as a result of it about three hours later his wife came in not knowing what had happened peter asked her tell me is this the price you and ananias got for the land yes she said That is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who carried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. A holy fear. Comes over the people of God, two looking like very generous people who sold their land and gave a giant chunk of it. Okay, probably one of the biggest gifts ever given as well. Okay, the ones who sold up gave it all. That's big, but probably the next ones under that would be somebody who'd sell it and give a big, you know, half of this chunk and lay it there. Two people come up with a plan to be noticed. Joseph a Levite from Cyrene also called Barnabas must have uh, is listed here as one of the ones who sold his property and gave And he must have gotten so much, you know attention is what comes to my mind like wow of what God's really doing and thanking God and praising God And that this was this divine season in the church But it was not a time where people should be looking for glory for themselves it's, to me, a, a kind of a crazy thought to think about. We're gathering together, we're praising the Lord together, and someone gives a pretty significant gift, not a huge one, but because they try to look religious, look more uh, generous, uh, the Lord calls them on that in this moment. And the result was great fear comes over them because, you know what, probably a lot of people had compromising things going on in their life that they hadn't completely uh, they're not walking in complete purity before the Lord. And I think if somebody came in with that kind of prophetic voice to where every one of us who lied in this place would fall over dead, um, I I don't know if I would show up at church that Sunday. But it was what they did was a demonically inspired plan to lie to everyone, to look generous, to look good, and to spoil the natural... Beauty of what was happening here before the Lord or the supernatural beauty. And Peter's words are, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Here we are in this real life changing atmosphere where this supernatural grace is poured over. And the enemy, of course, wants to flood in and ruin it. But God's powerful grace is upon his Holy Spirit. And Satan is filling, e- putting evil thoughts in people's hearts at the same time to try to get right in the middle of what is some pretty holy, awesome times. Will you stand with me? Father, we've come here today, and I doubt any of us would feel secure in our life being open and bare before the rest of us. The thoughts that have come into our mind the spirit and attitude that we've displayed at times we know has been anti christ lord would you continue to call us to an awakened holy fearful place where we walk gently in our minds before you on this earth knowing in all humility that there's nothing good about us except for christ except for your goodness that has waved uh, that has washed over our lives cleansed us As we've confessed our sins, you've cleansed us of our our sins and cleansed us of our unrighteousness. We thank you, Lord, for the goodness that we have found in Jesus. Would you help us, Lord, to just shake off the the fakiness of religiousness, of trying to look a certain part this morning. Instead, be caught up in the wonderful, glorious praise that's due to you in Jesus' name. Look to the Lord with His tithes and our offerings, and thank you for being committed and making giving a, a priority in your life. Lord, you've been so good to us, and as far as our money goes, you're just asking for the first tenth, the best part. So help us to get there to where we can be a cheerful giver, a committed giver, consistent giver. And the dream is even being able to be cheerful, excited about what you've done in our lives and how you've uh, blessed our businesses, our careers, our families. And uh, thank you, Lord, for challenging us uh, that that we're not just out to get more stuff for ourselves that will be temporary, that will rust out, that will be no good. But today, may this offering display... uh, Obedient hearts before you, God, in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you as you give, Lord bless you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. All right, we're talking in code here. Did you guys see me talking to her? <laughs> I didn't know if there, we had another song or if I was supposed to continue i i I really feel I uh, want to mention youth conference. Uh, coming up in like five weeks or so, so uh, we don't have a whole bunch of details for you yet. I know it's a uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we have the exact dates. I think the cost last year it seems like it was around 150 dollars for the weekend. I know it's uh, like 85 is the registration with the youth, c- with the, at the youth department, and then we get rooms at a hotel. And I know Winnetta has committed to uh, going and. Sp- being a youth sponsor. I haven't heard back from another guy. I was hoping that he was interested and I would never put him on spot in front of everybody, but um, so we'll wait to hear back from him. Um, but we we do have some leadership willing to go and then in our leadership team meeting tonight and uh, I invited a few people over to my house and we're gonna work, uh, talk a little bit about house church. and. Also uh, about the youth convention and making arrangements and getting the fall's youth uh, set up to go to youth youth conference. It's just a great weekend. It's not very long, 48 hours, but it's like an intensive uh, spiritual emphasis. And um, God has seemed to uh, there's something about expectation. There's something about the synergy of events like that. That can shape shape your life, and that when the emotion's over after it, and you got to go back to the regular world, I still believe there's uh, s- um, some bricks in the wall of faith of your life that remain after the emotion from the camp is gone. Carl, you talk about that. You go to camp, get all fired up. I'm gonna live differently. Go to youth conference. I'm gonna I'm gonna live radically, and then that kind of fades away because. It's not about emotion. It's about consistent faith in God and trust in God, and walking through the most of difficult times with the Lord. Uh, but I believe they build. It's another brick, and that turns into a, a great big wall of faith in the lives of our kids, our students, our young men, young women, uh, which are, uh, which is critical. Of the days that we have that are meaningful to us. Uh. Okay, Youth Convention, that'd be awesome. Thank you, yep, appreciate it, guys. I only have 14 minutes left, which is fine, because I, I went a little long on part one, but these miracles continue, and shockingly, two people fall over dead and are, I don't know, rolled up in the carpet, I don't know what how they transported them suddenly on short notice, but Uh, it slowed down the folks who just wanted to look good on the outside. It slowed down. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together at Solomon's Colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. So when Ananias and Sapphira give this, you know, false impression in front of the church to look like they're giving all of this money that they really held back for themselves and they're just trying to make an impression. They fall over dead. Suddenly the people who are on the middle ground aren't so interested in getting into those meetings anymore. There's a little bit of a hesitation going on as the same time as this, these miracles are pouring out and people are being healed in this incredible way. The easy believism, And Just looking the part without the willingness to forsake everything for Jesus is challenging some people who uh, Like to stay on the fringe like to stay on the outside want to be one foot in with this new Christian thing Maybe this is going and one foot back in in the world when the things that they've always known verse 14 says nevertheless More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number Does that seem a little conflicting? Like, wait, no one else will join them, but a whole bunch of people are joining them. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. This, again, is one of these moments in Christian history. Miracle after miracle, God's pouring out his spirit at, 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 in an all-time way during this season of the church. It says that people had this concept, if, if Peter's shadow will just touch me, like that same kind of faith that the woman had, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And we're thinking Jesus is gone. And so the dynamic kind of miracles are not going to be quite as evident. It's going to be kind of watered down. And I think this is one of these greater things will you do because I go to the Father that the, that the spirit of Jesus is proving himself to be just as alive, just as dynamic, just as real without the body of Jesus on this earth. And the Jesus people are carrying on in the miraculous work of the spirit. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy, and they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail again. I think we just read that in chapter 4, chapter 3, where uh, Peter and John were put in prison and interrogated. They arrested the the apostles and put them in public jail. It kind of looks like a repeat here of what had been happening. Peter and John arrested, and in the morning they're going to be interrogated, but this time They don't make it till the morning, right? There's a jailbreak in the Bible. Verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand at the temple courts, he said, and tell the people about this new life. They didn't wait. The very next morning, they didn't wait and say, he's told us to keep speaking boldly on his behalf. But, you know, that's kind of a hot spot. We better not show up right back there, Solomon's Colonnade again, where we were just just arrested from. That wouldn't be too wise. The Lord is free us out here. Maybe we got to go out into the fringes or somewhere else in the community where we can, uh, you know, strategize about this. No, it says at daybreak, they entered the temple courts. So they, right as the... The first thing in the morning, as they were told, they began to teach the people. And when the high priests and the associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving to the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they looked. They went back and reported, "We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the door. Uh, but we opened them, and we found no one inside." And on hearing this report. The captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. And at that, the captain went to with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin and questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teachings and are determined to make us guilty for Jesus' blood. Us guilty for this man's blood. Again, a slick politician might have been able to smooth things over for the disciples. But they understood what God had called them to do, to go stand in the temple courts and tell of this new life. And they arrested, really, for the third time. And what they were saying <clears throat> made the religious leaders uncomfortable about Jesus' death. But they were not going to be intimidated. Verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead whom you killed hanging him on a cross and God exalted him to the right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Isn't that pretty cool that they're we're like we're witnesses and so is the Holy Spirit right here <laughs> almost speaking to about the Holy Spirit as if. He's a manifest, you know, tangible, noticeable, something you can touch and feel right here. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given us, uh, given to those who obey him. Peter, again, is staring death in the face and doesn't shy away from danger. He takes it to the highest place. Uh, not... Jesus the great prophet he's not proclaiming Jesus a a good teacher a great prophet, but he takes it to the to the highest place that he is in heaven He is the prince. He is the Savior and when they heard this they were furious and wanted to put them to death but a Pharisee named Gamaliel a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people stood up in the Sanhedrin in order that the disciples okay Put them outside for a minute. I want to talk to you, just just you Jewish leaders for a minute. And when he addressed the Sanhedrin, he said, "Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, uh, Thetas appeared claiming to be someone, and about four hundred men rallied to him, and he was killed, and his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing." After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He, too, was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone and let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and whipped them. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Ha, <laughs> ha. They got away easy. They just got a whipping with the whip and lashes, you know. Humiliations galore. And they got away. For generations, and especially in the first century, where the Romans uh, rode the back of those that they conquered, They kept their eye open like, one of these times, one of these guys that rises up is going to deliver us. Is it Thaddeus or Thaddeus, it's pronounced? Is, is it Judas, uh, the Galilean? Uh, we heard him speaking, and lots of people, you know, there were, throughout history, there were those people who rose up, these little, these little, uh, insurrectionists, these little zealots for the kingdom, that they would start to speak, we don't have to take this from Rome. We're God's people. We're Our God is the God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Remember, Moses led us. Out. This is our promised land. And everybody would go, yeah, yeah. And a l- these little mobs would arise, or these insurrectionists, or what the Romans would consider these Jewish terrorist groups would arise and cause havoc. And every one of them was snuffed out, and their leaders killed, and the group diffused heroes rose up and dared to challenge Rome dared to challenge those oppressors in the name of heaven. And in the end, each of these moments faded with their leaders dead. But they said, this group's different. We just executed their leader that for the last three years, Jesus of Nazareth, who's been speaking and preaching of the news of the kingdom and gamaliel uh gives a word of wisdom and says hey if these people are not of god this will all fall fall apart but if this is of the lord we'll find ourselves fighting against god himself and the apostles left the sanhedrin rejoicing that they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name day after day In the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus is the Messiah. Rejoicing. They they were falsely accused and arrested and beaten and then threatened as they were let go. And as they left, they rejoiced that they were able to suffer for the name. Yes! Yes! And sure, this story has a great ending. The jail doors open. They share the good news. They're threatened time and time again. But they're filled with boldness. And if you trace the history of these disciples, almost all of them found themselves in a similar situation, falsely accused, locked up. But you know what? History says most of them were executed. It may, maybe it didn't happen here in Acts chapter 5, but in the end, it. it There were many martyrs for the kingdom of God. But with every murder of a Jesus follower, it seems like more and more Uh, Fruit erupts out of the ground like when they think they bury Jesus and this is over He rises and now that spark is going through these disciples and as each one of them faces a time of martyrdom capture Crucifixion of their own uh, the the kingdom of God keeps multiplying and multiplying and the faster they kill the Christians The more new Christians arise up and they still have not been able to stop the Jesus movement After 2,000 years of oppression and difficulty and Christians being persecuted and the people of God facing opposition, no matter how many die, the martyrs of Jesus are like seeds planted in the ground that a whole bunch more things erupt out of their lives. Amen? Will you stand with me? the last thing I want you to think about, think is that uh, in our victory that we won't face difficulties. Because if I'm honest with you, I've, I've had people, you know, where did things to me and I, I had to kind of process it and figure out, like, how am I going to treat this person, you know? And I, I was trying to think of a time when I felt... It was a privilege to be shamed or embarrassed for Jesus, you know. And can I be honest, I I just couldn't come up with any. I mean, I've asked the Lord to, to help me deal with personal attacks towards me and my simple belief in God. I've asked the Lord to help me to respond to people kindly who have spoke or treated me cruelly or if I hear about somebody who's saying things negative behind my back, I've gotten to the point where I've been able to pray blessings over those who are not speaking well of me. But can I be honest, I can't remember a time when I rejoiced to, to, to suffer shame in the name of Jesus. And maybe there's some times coming But what radical transformation. I can't remember a time when I came out of a personal attack that I went, yeah, high five, Jesus. They really think I'm a jerk. They really think I'm a simpleton. They really think I'm just a a, a conservative kook out there for Jesus. Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me? Cross this place, close your eyes. Nothing magical about that process. Just help you not to be distracted by, by anyone. But Lord, I know in these last great days, there is going to be shame associated with the name of Jesus. In the midst of this realm of knowledge and such brilliance and such freedom to talk and to discuss and to debate, the radio airwaves are filled with uh, politicians and sports people and, and uh, musicians that are uh, volleying back and forth about ideas, about what real truth is, about what real freedom is. And God, I know you're raising up a group of people that are going to be called to speak out in your name. And I just pray, Lord, that you give us the kind of heart, uh, the kind of spirit of God that, that we'll be able to uh, stand for you and in the same moment of things not going our way in the midst of standing in faith for you, because for some of these disciples in the years to come, it goes really sideways. And it might even look like they got the uh, like something was wrong with their life because they weren't blessed. But how, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news and to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And uh, Lord, we only know this life, so we kind of want to hang on to it. And thank you that, that you're helping us to see beyond it. But I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would rest on us in a supernatural way, that as we walk through life and the misunderstandings and uh, the the difficulties, that we can quickly gather ourselves in praise and thanks to you for the things you've done, for what you've given to us, for the talents, the skills, and abilities. I pray, Lord, that for those facing another week where where work has been really hard, where They face some real opposition. I pray for the grace of the Lord Jesus to be upon your people in a powerful way. Lord, that that you would work supernaturally uh, and dynamically through our lives as we walk in this dark place with representing the light of the world. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did for these disciples 2,000 years ago and how you're still working through our lives in Jesus' name amen. Hug somebody, take somebody to lunch, be the people of God where there's a spirit of unity and friendship among you. In Jesus' name.